And we are live. Woo! Woo! Welcome back to the Content Swap Podcast. You are joined by Parker and... Aaliyah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've introed like that in quite some time. Nope. 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 Well, uh, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, another week, another podcast. Yep. And this week we have two completely random choices. Well, I feel like mine's yeah. not that random. Cause it's... Mine's not either. Okay. What? Well, okay. All right. <laughs> I would like to hear your argument for why yours is not I random. Said it when I assigned later, <laughs> but I'll say it again. I'm, I mean, I am gonna say it again. All right. Well, should we just jump right into it? Yeah. All right. Uh, just for you know, quick reference. Um, we are recording this at like 7 p.m. So hopefully, this is not another one of those like tired podcast well i feel like we're energized but we might be a little like unfocused well we'll see (laughs) you're like i'm tired (laughs) i'm a little well well, (laughs) i've been playing god of war ragnarok like almost all day other than i i did design a drink menu for your father for (laughs) thanksgiving um so i mean that's all i've really done today so i don't really have an excuse to be tired but Anyway, um, I believe we're discussing what I assigned you yes. first this week. Is that yes. correct? Yes. All right. So you assigned me Raising Kratos, which came out in, are these my notes or your notes? No, this is my notes, which came out in 2019. Yes. Um, it's on YouTube, so you can easily access it. I wrote YouTube movie. It's not real. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, but it's a documentary feature. Yes, it's a documentary about the making of the reboot of God of War. So the, not this newest one that came out this yes. week, but the one prior. Yes, which the that game was just called God of War. Yeah. It came out in 2018. It's commonly referred to as God of War 2018. Yeah. Some people call it God of War 4, despite technically being like God of War 7. But yeah. 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 So um, great game. And yeah. <laughs> so the documentary literally just follows the making of it and all the people who are a part of it and like the stresses of trying to like bring back this like legendary franchise. How do you like people really care about this character Kratos, but we want to take it in a different direction because we've grown as people and we want the character to have grown as a person and like give it more depth all that kind of stuff. So how do we like make sure people like it and aren't turned off by like the new direction we're going in? Yeah. And also they felt like they had to go in a new direction because the last game that they had made that was kind of similar to what they'd already been doing uh, was not received very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, first my, my overall thoughts, I really enjoyed this documentary. I know nothing about the gaming industry or like what goes into making a game and all the like bits and pieces and who's involved and the things they worry about and all that kind of stuff. Like I know none of that. So it was very interesting to see how much goes into making a game. Like I imagine it's just like a group of people, like a small group um, that, you know, comes together and they're like, we want to do this game. And then they like, do their technology thing and then boom game's done (laughs) like that's what i thought it was and it's much more than that um and so that was really interesting i will say watching watching this i did feel like 
you will probably get more out of it if you do have some knowledge about how the gaming industry works solely for the fact hmm. that I struggled with like I didn't and I still don't really know like the 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 main people and I'll get into some of these people but the main people who are involved I didn't quite understand what their role was and I was like I don't know how they're contributing to the project because hmm. I don't know anything about making a game mm-hmm. and I felt like it wasn't super clear like this person's responsible for X, Y, and Z, and that's what they're working on. And this person's responsible for blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't know for some of those things either. But, I mean, <laughs> you can just assume there's a lot of people that need to be working on this game. Yeah. And, I mean, some of those people might just be, like, managers yeah. that aren't even involved with the development process, and the design yeah. of it. It's yeah. just, like helping manage the people so that they can stay on track yeah communicate yeah but those are really the only people that i was like okay i see what they're doing and like there's just there's terminology that i don't understand like going gold like you had to tell me like oh going gold means this and i'm like oh okay. what does going gold mean it means quiz time putting it on a disc (laughs) because the game's done (laughs) yeah pretty much i mean the game's not always done when you go gold as I have come to understand, like some, like a lot of games in recent years uh, will go gold, print on a disc, but then they'll still keep working and fixing more bugs, and mm-hmm. then they'll release like a day one update mm. because you know sometimes you go gold like a month before just to, the like, actual the, release date, just uh, to you know just to help distribute the disc on mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'll still keep they'll like work on a software update, so then. Yeah. You know, it's like you want that day one update because if yeah. you just play the on the disc version, yeah, you might not get as good of an experience as you would if you got the day one update. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's not a lot of people who are playing these games that don't have internet. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I imagine it's not that much of a problem, mm-hmm. but I would be curious to know mm-hmm. what percentage of people that play games are not downloading like the day one updates and all that stuff because mm. they don't have access to internet. That would mm. be, yeah, hmm. Hmm. interesting question. Yeah. But yeah, that's like one term I was like, what? <laughs> and yeah. then like someone said like, oh, this is the OP freezer or something. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, huh? What is she saying? Well, but then again, the, the guy who, so the I'll get into um, the guy who was like the director o- of it. OP just means overpowered. If somebody says OP, they mean overpowered. Yeah. They mean it's too strong. Yeah. And it's unfair. Yeah. How strong it is. That's what OP means. Yeah. But even like addition, like outside of just like those small terms that kind of popped up here and there that I was like, what? Because even that's like, you don't necessarily need to know that. But um, I think without having like, been around you as much like i wouldn't know the importance of like what was it e3 yeah right i wouldn't have known like that to me i would have been like what are they i don't understand what they're doing there like i don't get it yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um what is e3 you want to explain that for those that don't know oh my gosh oh, I can't, wait. <laughs> can't wait my to understanding is that E3 is like this big conference, like kind of like a Comic Con. So this is like big gaming conference where it's like, what's the new things that are about to come out? And like all these big time companies are like, boom, this is what we have coming for you. Like get ready for it, get excited, that sort of thing. I'm sure they have panels of like people talking about what they've been working on and all this stuff. So that's how I think it is. It's like gaming Comic Con. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, spot on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Mm-hmm. So it's an expo. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the big companies will have these presentations. Mm-hmm. And then there will be like a floor where you can go mm-hmm. and play demos of like games that are not out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's my impression of the show. Actually, <laughs> I've never been. I've always wanted to go. Yeah. They haven't had it. They didn't have it the year that COVID happened um, because of COVID. And then they yeah. didn't have it this past year. Um they ended up canceling it. They're claiming that it's going to come back next year. And the people who run uh, the Penny Arcade Expo, also known mm-hmm. as PAX, mm-hmm. um, are supposed to be in charge of it mm-hmm. this next year, which bodes well. But a lot of people also are starting to feel like E3, conceptually, uh, the industry is kind of growing beyond the need for it mm. um so when you say they didn't have it they didn't do like a virtual one either like uh no got gotcha. you so when they didn't have it um jeff Keeley, the man that runs the game awards mm-hmm. um he hosted summer oh i'm gonna mess this up um summer game fest mm-hmm. i think it was mm-hmm. or it's summer in gaming <laughs> ign does one of those <laughs> and jeff Keeley does the other one <laughs> Um, I think it's Summer Game Fest. Yeah. Ooh, it's going to bug me. But mm-hmm. um, so Jeff Keeley did do a Summer Game Fest mm-hmm. in June mm-hmm. um, this past year. So uh, this year was actually pretty interesting because everybody was calling it like E3 but not E3 because there were a bunch of announcements in June when E3 would have been. And people were announcing things in June just because that's when E3 is. Yeah. But it wasn't around the framing of e3 so it was just kind of like, uh, um <laughs> gotcha. but then nintendo didn't uh show anything and everybody was expecting nintendo to show something mm-hmm. um because it was that time but, but it, it seems like nintendo shows like a bunch of things like throughout the year like they have those little like they do the nintendo directs. Yeah, yeah. yeah so usually if e3 is happening nintendo's gonna do an E3 Nintendo Direct. Got you. And I'm pretty sure that, like, Nintendo... I was reading this in Reggie fils book. He's the former president of Nintendo of America. We love Reggie. We do love Reggie. <laughs> he uh, he mentioned something about Nintendo and E3 having a relationship. Mm. So, um, like, that goes back a long time. So, I kind of... When I read that in his book, and then also knowing that like mm-hmm. E three wasn't happening this year, yeah, I that kind of to me told me like okay, Nintendo's not gonna do any announcements because they don't have to. But mm-hmm. if E three was happening, mm-hmm. then they would kind of be beholden to doing it mm-hmm. um, because it's a big event. And they C three, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they didn't end up showing anything. They ended up having a Nintendo Direct in September. Mm. Um, we're just getting into a big conversation about the games industry right now. <laughs> um, so we're we're a little off track, but uh, what? Uh, where did this whole topic stem from? About me not knowing about <laughs> what E three was. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. like just like me not knowing enough about the gaming industry. Yeah. Um, well, so let's yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk about a little bit more about you know let's contextualize the E three piece and yeah. You know, just the whole thing. Yeah. So um, I want to start with basically who are 
I'll say our main character of the our, documentary our is. Our key players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so the biggest person within this documentary and who we're really kind of following throughout the whole documentary is Corey. I'm not sure what his last name is. Corey Barlog. Yeah, Corey Barlog. Um, and he was a director of the original games. Is that correct? Yeah, I think if we're really trying to be like super accurate, I believe he was the director of God of War 2. And then maybe was just a writer on God of War 1. And I don't think he worked on God of War 3 or the ones after that. But they brought him back to reboot the franchise as like, you know, creative director on this 2018 reboot. Yeah. So he had some sort of tie (laughs) to the original games. Um, And Shannon, who was like a manager over... She's Studio, like the, Santa Monica. Oh, CEO Santa Monica. Of Santa Monica I don't know. If she's. I don't know if they. Do, I don't know if it's a CEO per se, but she's like the president of the okay, company. Gotcha. Yeah. Shannon's a president, and then we have Yumi, uh, who's like manager. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's Santa Monica Studio. That's yeah. The name of the company that made the game. Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. Shannon being the president, and then Yumi Yang. Yeah. Being a high level Person. manager. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually. Yeah. I don't have her uh, title in the back of my head, but she's. I'd. It seems like you know the the number two. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah. So they bring Corey back. Um. And Corey's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey. I mean, he's. He, I, he's a real guy, so remember that. Yeah. Um, I was. Very surprised. I really liked Corey. Like, okay. by the end of the documentary, I really... And not even, like... I just kind of how he came into the project and his, like, idea for the project, I really loved. So, the previous God of War games, from what I've gathered, this is, again, from somebody who's not a gamer, who has no... Yeah. I've never played these games. I've never heard of these games until I met you. Never seen you play them until recently. Um, but from what I gathered, the old God of War games are very much just, like, kill, 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 kill. Like just murder everybody and that's the fun of it and there's really not too much depth into that yeah um character wise and so it's yeah oh no just to comment on that original series of god of war games yeah it's very much like a male fantasy Mm -hmm. type of game like Mm -hmm. you're you're killing things you're this big strong god dude you're killing other gods yeah like you, you you essentially in the first three God of War games that were ever created, you it's it's spent killing the entire pantheon mm-hmm. of Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So, like at the end of God of War three, you kill Zeus, mm-hmm. who is also Kratos' dad. Mm-hmm. Got you. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that was that. Yeah. Um, and Corey kind of comes in and he's like, "We can do more." <laughs> and also, I'm not the like young person I was kill 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 is not of interest to me like I have a family now I'm a dad and so like why don't we like make this a very beautiful story that still has you know combat aspects to it but let's make Kratos a father and like see how that interaction would look like um and so yeah so when I heard that I was like oh my gosh I like this. Like, (laughs) I was expecting, if I'm being honest, I was expecting this, like, dude with a huge ego who's like, I'm going to make the best video game ever. Like, kill kill people, blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. (laughs) Like, 
in the game, obviously not real life. Right, right, right. Um, and that's not what he was. And so I was definitely like, you know, I had my judgments and I was reminded never to judge a person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so I really enjoyed him. And so throughout, throughout, we see him um, trying to like, take his idea but like make it cohesive amongst you know everybody else's ideas because everybody like kind of pitches in from what it seems like with like what they would like to see and how yeah. they think it should work and it's like okay we're we have so much going on so many ideas how do we make one cohesive story that's like very meaningful um and so yeah and so he's like our key player <laughs> our key person yeah, yeah yeah i mean he's the creative director for the game yeah so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had the idea. He, you know, directed the whole thing from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, depending on the game and depending on the studio, there's a director and a creative director. Mm-hmm. I think I think in this case, it's he just played both roles. Yeah. I think but, like he did most of the like. Yeah. yeah. The directing. <laughs> yeah. But I think for the God of War Ragnarok, the one that just came out last week, that's the sequel to this game that we're talking about. Um I think he was just the creative director, and then Eric Williams was the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm yeah. bringing up that distinction because it's kind of yeah, it seems yeah project specific. Mm, got you. So yeah, so in terms of like other key players, really all that I got from the documentary was like you have you have Shannon, you have Yumi, and they're very important in terms of like. We need to make a de- like a, make a deadline. I need to keep you all on track. Yeah, like they're the like. How do we actually plausibly do this and like have a successful business? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Corey's, you're like, here's the vision. Let's do this. And then you have all the people who's working on it. But I really didn't like. I don't remember their names. I don't remember like what they do. It's That's just okay. like you just I, talk to some people. <laughs> yeah, but there was there was definitely clearly a lot of very important people yeah. that worked on this project and a ton of like it was like a team of. 100 plus people that dedicated all of their you know years and years and years of effort towards creating this product yeah and so in terms of like other people that are like memorable (laughs) that i like they really focus on is the actors the actors who are these characters so you had and i didn't even write down their names that's okay i got i got the main two yeah so you have the little kid who plays What's the kid's name in the show? Okay. In, the, in the game. You're not doing a great job here. Wait, it's the mid nineties kid. The little kid. kid. Okay, I'm, you're gonna kid. come in with the name. All right, so Sunny, the mid nineties kid. Sunny Soljic. Yes, he plays the kid. Atreus. In the game. <laughs> there we go. We got our rhythm. You have. This is like highlights. <laughs> you have Kratos, who's played by Christopher Judge. He's Kratos. <laughs> Nailed it. And then it. there's a woman who plays Freya. And her name is I don't know. <laughs> what you I said I, I just said I have the main two. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have her name. I apologize to the actress. <laughs> she did a great job in that yeah. game. I'm playing the sequel right now. She's also in that one and she's also great in it. Yeah. So Yeah. So the the bulk of the documentary was like pretty much Corey and the team working with these actors and like showing the behind the scenes of like the acting and like how they do it and um like the actual like parts where they're getting movements like mocap fully suited up mm-hmm. getting the movements and then they also have like sections where they're just voice acting um 
And I thought that was interesting because I didn't realize how much acting goes into making a game. Like in terms of like movement and stuff, I thought maybe they had like, you know, reference video. But I thought it was all just like they just did it in the computers. I didn't realize they like put people in like mocap suits, have them actually like act out these scenes. And that's what makes the game. And so I was like, whoa, didn't realize that much went into it. And I do have a question. Okay. How much do these actors make? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, I I feel like this this almost requires me to get into the whole Bayonetta 3 voice actress controversy that came up this past month. Um, So... It's unclear. They, they, it depends on the project. It depends on the how high profile the actor is. Yeah. Um, it depends on how much acting is going to be in the project, like how much it's going to require. I'm going to go ahead and assume that Christopher Judge and Sonny Soljic and the woman that played Freya got paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this whole controversy where uh for bayonetta 3 which just came out uh at the end of october um clearly that's a sequel Mm -hmm. to two other games before it right Mm -hmm. um and there's this woman who did the voice of bayonetta in the first two games but then she does not do the voice of bayonetta in the third game and she came out like a month before the game came out and said, I was only going to be offered $4,000 to play this character mm-hmm. who I kind of helped create the personality for mm-hmm. that, you know, she's the centerpiece of the whole thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah, kind of helps create the appeal of the game. Yeah. Um, and I did that for two other games. And now this third one, you only want to pay me $4,000. So yeah. she said, no, mm-hmm. um, but then, oh, geez. And then, like, this whole Bloomberg article came out by Jason Schreier that kind of dug a little bit deeper into the issue. And basically, they were going to pay her, like, $15,000 in actuality. And it all just... I, I, I don't want to comment too much on it just because it's it's been a while since I was reading... It's been a few weeks since this article was, like... All, or all of this news was salient. But yeah. the the point being that it started this whole conversation about like how much are voice actors actually getting paid for their yeah. roles? Um, and if in the case of Bayonetta 3, that like the team just didn't want to work with her anymore, so they lowballed her, mm-hmm. um, that would be like not a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. That would be the unprofessional thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um but like fifteen thousand is still different from four thousand, so that's mm-hmm. where it gets kind of like confusing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, like I, I think that bit of news is kind of just like fizzled out, and people don't seem to really care much anymore mm. about like the bayonetta controversy part yeah. of that topic. But it is still, I think, like a bit like the paying voice actors a fair wage mm-hmm. for their work. I think that's still like on people's minds yeah um and 
ultimately all I can say is I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know that the guy who played Nico Bellic in Grand Theft Auto 4, mm-hmm. who's the main character, he mm-hmm. got paid $100,000. That was in 2008, I think. Yeah. Um, but then there was a whole article where that came out afterwards because the game sold a bunch mm-hmm. where he, the guy, that voice actor said, like, I should be owed millions for how successful this game was because I was the main character of the game and I did so much voice work, you only paid me $100,000. And it's like, well, $100,000 is <laughs> a good amount for a project. But, um, whereas 15000 or 4000 for mm. this character you've already played twice, mm. not very much. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ultimately it's going to come down to how many lines they have to read Mm -hmm. and i think in the case of like bayonetta which is made by a japanese company Mm -hmm. this woman who does the voice of bayonetta is not doing the original motion capture that would be required for the cutscenes and stuff Mm -hmm. um whereas in the case of this game with sunny soljic and christopher judge and the woman that plays freya they are doing the motion capture so Mm -hmm. that would stand to reason that they would be paid more for that work yeah because they're not just lending their voice to the game Mm -hmm. they are also like acting Acting. yeah Yeah. so that was me to my next question at these like game award shows do they have awards for like the actors yes so uh christopher judge and sunny soljic were also the game award nominations came out on monday this past week Mm -hmm. they were both nominated for their performances in god of war ragnarok wow yeah that's cool yep nice um so yeah so uh i want to talk about what's his name the guy who plays kratos christopher judge christopher judge i want to talk about him (laughs) okay he was weird. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's great. He's a real guy. Yeah. No, I don't mean that in like a mean way. He was just an interesting person. Um, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you have to say about our good man, Christopher Judge? Yes. So he did a phenomenal. Let me start by this. He does a phenomenal job. He does a phenomenal, phenomenal job. He, I mean, he his. His voice, just yeah, the, the gravitas, yeah, I think really helped improve, yeah, the like relatableness of this character. Yeah, Kratos is not a relatable character, and now suddenly it's like, wow, you feel, you feel, you feel when things. he says things, yeah. yes, yeah, no, he, I'm not tonight, he does a wonderful, wonderful job, okay, okay. I say he's an interesting dude because he's very much like what I would think of a stereotypical actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the sure. way he explains things. And I'm like, I don't know. It was just, it was interesting to watch because it's like if someone were to be like, depict an actor, what do you think an actor would be like? It's like him. <laughs> you know, he might take that as a compliment. So. Yeah. So yeah, so he was. I mean, that's really all that I had to say about him. Because what does like that his, mean, though? Like, I feel like he'd be the kind of guy to be like, you know, when I studied theater in the blah 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 blah. Oh, blah. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, so, I mean, he brings up this whole thing about how like he was on a show for ten years, mm-hmm. um, which was, I believe, Stargate, mm-hmm. and was it Stargate? Or is it Battlestar? Oh, I think it, it might be Battlestar Galactica. 
um, or Stargate Atlantis. I mean, those are practically the same thing, right? But they're not. Um, okay, it might have been Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apologize to the fans. Um, anyway, he was on this show that was really popular for like 10 years, and he talks about how like he didn't get to spend a lot of time with his kids because he was working on that show for such a long time. And being an actor requires a lot out of you. Yeah. And because this role in God of War being such like a an intimate story about a father and a son in this like broken man who traditionally is just full of rage mm-hmm. and kills things mm-hmm. is learning how to be a father. Mm-hmm. And he talks about in one of his interviews about mm-hmm. like he felt like he was giving this role as he was his performance in this role is almost to serve as like an apology to his children Mm -hmm. and i feel like as soon as he said that that's when you (laughs) took this whole like such an actor i did this role for my children okay that definitely heightened it because like i under i can understand well i mean i don't understand because i i'm not in that i've never had that experience but like Mm -hmm. i could i Definitely am sure that, like, that's what he was feeling. But the way he communicated it, it was like, this feels like acting. (laughs) All right, well. And so then I was like, hmm, okay. (laughs) It's like a one-off interview that he did for a video game making of documentary. Honestly, I enjoyed him a lot. I'm not saying I didn't like him. I'm just saying, like, the way he, like, would say things, I just thought was, like, a bit funny. Just, like, the way he communicates was, it tickled me a bit. But I enjoyed him. It was cute seeing him, like, interact with Sonny. Like, yeah, I don't know. They they looked like they had a good time. Yeah, I, I think it was really fun to rewatch this and to kind of you know learn about what that story of like trying to find the actors for these roles that were written yeah um and how finding finding the right kratos was going to be difficult i imagine difficult and yeah. super important in order to execute on this like new vision that they had yeah. for the game it's yeah. also worth noting that this you know, newest franchise takes place in uh, Norse mythology and mm-hmm. not Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So it's like this completely just new realm of things with like Odin and Thor and like magical weapons that come back to your hands after mm-hmm. you throw them. Like we know Thor does in mm-hmm. like Marvel movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a completely, just completely new ground for them to explore and, mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, overall, I don't really have too much else to say. Overall, I thought it was great and it was interesting and it was fun and I'm glad we watched it. And um, just one last note that I thought was really, really sad, very sad, but like funny in the way that I predicted it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) But sad in general. It's very sad. Yeah. But... Essentially, we see this clip there. The company is like they're building a new office. They're like hyping the employees up because they were at this point. They were working on Internal Seven, which yeah. is the game that did not do very well. No, no, no. Right. No, no, we no, we we talked about this so many times. Um, OK, at the beginning of this 
documentary oh, they can't, no, feature. No, I take that back. Oh. Canceled it. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so they're working on a game yeah. called Internal 7. I don't think that Internal... I think Internal 7 was just the like internal nickname for the game. Yeah. Because once they started working on God of War 2018, yeah. it was called... Like you can see on the uh, the the clapper oh, things, it said int, it said int eight, yeah. Which to me, I interpreted that as internal eight. Gotcha. So they were working on an, an original IP, intellectual property. Um, yeah. That was like set in the future, and yeah, they yeah. ended up just they ended up canceling that project after working on it for like three years. Yeah. And because of that. Wait, but so before that. Oh, okay. Before that, they have this project going on. They're in the works of like God of War. So they're like, we're going to have this like big new office and they're hyping everybody up and they're like, woo, like get excited. We're going to be in this new space. We can work on these projects. It'll be great. And they give everybody lunch boxes. These really cool lunch boxes. They were pretty cool lunch boxes. <laughs> they were dope lunch boxes. Give everyone these lunch boxes. And I was sitting there and I was like, man, I bet it costs a lot to like give everybody lunch boxes. Like it's so crazy. These companies like spend all this money on like, some unnecessary thing. They're morale and then boosters. They're, yes, they're morale. I mean, I would have been so hyped to get a lunchbox, but my company sent me <laughs> a Christmas mug last year. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's okay. But once you once you're working for a company and they send you stuff like that, when they send you like the swag box or whatever, you're really excited. You get about excited it. about I'm it. I'm not. I'm not denying that. You get really excited about it. But I'm like, there's a lot of money to be spending on like something that's just like, it's just a lunch, like it's a lunchbox. And so they're spending all this money on a lunchbox. And I said, the sad thing is like, you know, these companies then go and they lay off a bunch of people. Yeah. Which has been happening a lot lately yeah. When, yeah. in the tech sector. So Exactly. And so I was like, you, you know, it's like, what's, how are we using the money? Yeah. Literally like five minutes after I said that. No, no. <laughs> like like literally 25 seconds after you said that. <laughs> okay, I was being generous. 25 <laughs> yeah. seconds after I said that, they're like, we had to lay off a bunch of people. Yeah. The, this project we were working on got canceled and all this stuff. And I was like, I literally called it. They shouldn't yeah. have spent the money on the lunchboxes. Oh my God. I don't think that it was the lunchboxes <laughs> I mean, sure that were causing the problems. It was so. all the people that they were paying to work yes. on this project that then they that they then canceled. Yeah. It's much bigger than the lunchboxes. And they had to lay people off because... Yeah. But it was just the fact that I was like... Yeah. It was, it was when the... I was talking about the lunchboxes. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, man, it's so sad because then these companies will like lay off people. And then it happened. So, Yeah yeah sad didn't see that coming but i predicted it yeah but ultimately despite that use of money on lunch boxes <laughs> when they pivoted and they went to a new office yeah they got the right people and the right team they made the right game and, and they had a fancy like silver statue of kratos, kratos. <laughs> yeah super cool come on um, and i'm like did but, we need that I mean, I think something that was really cool was um, when they were talking about the game reveal at E3 2016, mm -hmm. because, you know, they they opened the Sony press conference that year. Mm -hmm. um, before the press conference even started, Bear McCreary, the composer oh, of the yeah. game. I was like, who's Bear? <laughs> yeah, Bear, Bear McCreary, this yeah. guy with long hair and like a goatee who just looks like 
what you'd expect a composer would be like a composer named bear he's he's the spitting image of that and he makes great music so you know hats off to him yeah um it opens with him playing the main theme of the game and nobody knows what that is and then the press conference starts and it's like atreus the kid like playing with dolls and then it opens he's like got this father figure talking to him and it's not you know it's Kratos, but the audience doesn't know that because it's a different voice actor and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when Kratos like walks out and you see like his red tattoos and stuff, like like I, it was really cool that they added that like that first reaction because in the in mm-hmm. like what the what the team that was making the game was thinking like leading mm-hmm. up to that moment because it's like such a big thing mm-hmm. of like revealing this reboot. Like, are people gonna like it? And like getting into all the anxieties going into that, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was like really, really, really interesting because I, as a gamer, mm-hmm. am on the side of like consuming all of these things and like watching these press conferences and having my own reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very often thinking about like the people who are making this stuff who yeah. are like nervous. This is, nervous yeah and this is like a big deal for them like when i'm watching a nintendo direct and they're showing some new farming simulator game that like (laughs) eh. there are people whose lives are then being affected by that reaction you know yeah i thought it was wild that moment because then Corey has to play the game in front yeah. of all these people. And I was like... And they did a live orchestra at the same time. Yeah. I yeah, was like... That's and he's just like... Bananas. You see him like wiping his hands off. Like yeah, he's like sweating. Yeah. I know. And I'm like, if I had to play the game while I'm like... Because I'm sure he heard. I'm sure he heard the audience. And so you already have like people are like, what is this? And yeah. you have to play. And like imagine if you immediately like got killed like as you're like trying to play the game. And then it's like, dang. Like I think part of what made that such an effective uh, like reveal trailer yeah. is the fact that they did show gameplay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you wouldn't know this because you don't like you're not a gamer and you don't pay attention to all this stuff. I but, am a gamer. I'm okay, a cozy you're a gamer. gamer. Yeah, you're a gamer. Gamer now. But <laughs> when these like high-profile projects get announced, it's very typical that they'll show like a cinematic trailer to let you know, like, oh, this is getting made. Yeah. And often when you see a cinematic trailer, that and that's the reveal. That basically means like we just started this game, yeah. and it's not going to be out for like three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean. Companies are doing that less, but it still happens. Yeah. Um, and some in in some cases, doing that is a way of saying, like, we're working on this game. It's being made by this studio. You know we made all these other games that you really like. So come work for us. It's almost, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like talent recruitment. Interesting. Um, yeah. It, it, it is interesting. Um, but this was a big deal because it's like it's a reveal trailer that started with cinematic and then immediately went into gameplay so which people is like, are like oh it's coming it's out. like oh it's coming Soon. out oh they've been working on this yeah. yeah because if you can show gameplay of your game then that's yeah. like oh yeah. yeah serious work has already gone into this wow um so that is always exciting yeah yeah i wish i was into gaming like i wish you are now i am but like you're living vicariously through me yeah but i want to like i want to like I want to be a play tester. Bear and breakfast too. <laughs> ah. I don't know. <laughs> no. I want to be in it, you know? 
I mean, I don't want to be around the toxicity of, you know, some the people in the industry, gaming industry, but yeah. it it's there. Know. Not everyone, yeah. of course, but like, yeah, there's, I mean, that's a whole a other conversation. Of, yeah, it's a whole conversation. <laughs> One that maybe we don't have time for. Yeah. So, yeah. So, overall, highly recommend. Watch it. It's on YouTube. Okay. Oh, now yeah. Do you, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you have stuff. I forgot. Well, my question for you would be, now having seen this and seen me play the sequel, would you ever want to try this game? I've been thinking about that. It's very intimidating. It seems like a someone more skilled at gaming. There's an easy I, mode. Yeah, but still. They, they have like difficulty settings for people that just want to focus on getting you know the core experience but not having to worry too much about the difficulty of it i feel like even on easy mode that'd be too hard for me i think you could manage <laughs> i would i would try whether i would continue with it i think i if it was too hard i would probably give up <laughs> so i think part of the reason why i assigned this to you was because As i a did tester. kind of i mean like <laughs> i this game when we first had the idea for this podcast and you mentioned like, oh, I could assign you games. This was, mm -hmm. when I was making my list of things I would want to assign you, this was one of the first things I wrote down. Mm -hmm. Because God of War 2018 is in like my top five favorite games like mm -hmm. of all time. Because mm -hmm. it's so good. Mm -hmm. um, it's current, its position is currently being evaluated right now um, as I'm playing the sequel game. Mm -hmm. um, and I was telling you earlier, the jury is still out. I'm not 100% sure on whether this game is going to then just like take its spot um, mm -hmm. or if the original is going to, you know, stay exactly where it is. Mm -hmm. um, undecided as of yet. But uh, what was I even saying? <laughs> if I would play it. Oh, right. So, yeah, this was one of the first things I wrote down. And I'm like, I this is something that I would love to talk about on the podcast, but I don't know if it's a game that you would enjoy so mm -hmm. or if you'd ever have the time to do it mm -hmm. so i was like all right you know what documentary making of perfect that's mm -hmm. better yeah i definitely think it was a smart move to have me watch the documentary first because now i have an appreciation for it exactly and so i'm much more willing to, which like granted like don't ever like not assign me something because you think like oh she's not gonna want to do it because that's the whole point of the yeah, podcast. yeah no it, yeah it wasn't that it was just like uh you don't have the time to be assigned a video game right now and the sequel to this game just came out mm -hmm. and i wanted to talk about it while it was topical <laughs> yeah that makes so sense. yeah the documentary made sense yeah. yeah yeah i definitely think probably summertime summertime my schedule is a little bit more clear-cut and so, uh, you know, I might wait like a year and a half. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, that's my answer. All right. Um, my other question was, what kinds of questions did this bring up for you in regards to the video game industry? But I feel like you already asked those. Yeah. Um, Okay, what did you think about all of the pre-production steps that they did? Did that surprise you? Like them sending a team to Iceland to do research on Iceland or like doing a wilderness training thing in <laughs> California uh, to kind of like yeah. learn the feel of like what's what that is like. Like yeah. did that stuff surprise you? It didn't surprise me that they would go to like 
Iceland and things like that. I would ex- I would want them to because like if you're going to create this environment, you want to be accurate. And especially if it's like set in a specific time period, you want to learn about it just like you would for like a movie. So that didn't surprise me at all. Um, the little wilderness like L.A. Yeah. <laughs> training, that was pretty silly. But <laughs> I feel like if anything, that was just like it's a team. Yeah, building thing. yeah. It's just like a fun like team outing, you know, and it's like it's somewhat relevant to the game. Kind of not really. It's really just us doing some things. But but I think it could be helpful in terms of like, because I was thinking, I was literally thinking about like when you're playing the game and Kratos is like making these sounds like, oh, like whatever he's doing, Ugh. like whether he's like lifting something, hitting something, whatever. I'm like, how would you know the type of like force you would need in like your, as you're making those sounds? Yeah. That's like, would be accurate for like the amount of work you're doing in whatever you know what because if i like if i push you and i go like uh like i mean i wouldn't be like uh but like if i make like a like a sound of that that's way less of a sound than if i like you know knock you out type of thing yeah right you know so it's like how do you decipher the amount of like i don't know yeah no it's a really interesting thing that you're bringing up because this goes back to that whole voice actors and how much they get paid yeah or are compensated um conversation where I was, you know, I was reading tweets that came from voice actors, like while that conversation was like really, really hot, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of them were talking about like, you know, sometimes like they sometimes they're brought onto a project as like a very very small role, but what they are required to do is a lot of like screaming and yelling, and yeah. it's very straining on their vocal cords, and that's literally like how they make money mm-hmm. is using their voice, mm-hmm. so like. and maybe they don't get paid a lot for that Mm -hmm. so that's i mean it's a very interesting topic yeah in and of itself like coordinating like which sounds you need Mm -hmm. but also like you don't you don't think about how impactful it is to have that variety of like voice recorded stuff Mm -hmm. in these games i mean in some games especially like more recent PlayStation games like The Last of Us 2 and this game, um, I just imagine, like, it's so much work to engineer, Mm -hmm. like, where, when voice lines are being played Mm -hmm. during the game Mm -hmm. because there's just so many sound files that they Mm -hmm. must have and it Mm -hmm. has to be perfectly timed. Mm -hmm. It just seems like so much work. Yeah. That's um, what I got out of this whole thing. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. And yeah. a lot of... And I I do wonder, like, how do they end up with such a cohesive project when you have so many people doing, like, the most... I don't want to say the most minute things, but, like, you know, each person's responsible for, like, a small portion of this pie. How do you make sure that when you throw it all together, it makes sense? because everyone's working on their own thing and like they said everyone has a different idea that's of what why that you should have, look like that's why you have Corey barlog the creative director with yeah his eyes on everything. everything and that's that's hard like to be that detail oriented like yeah. i mean i find myself to be a detail oriented person but there's like i i can overlook things like because that's hard especially as one person you have one pair of eyes like and you're responsible for like hundreds of people in the thing that they did 
and being like, oh, there's an error with this. We need to talk to that person or like this person or whatever. Like that's just, it's wild. Game designers, UI designers, UX designers, game directors, creative directors, art directors, artists. So, can so I ask many you, people. Yeah. Can I ask you a quick question? And I don't want to like, we don't need to spend too much time on it. Okay. But like a game UX designer, what are they designing? Um, great question. Uh, my current understanding of what a gaming UX designer does is they bridge the gap between the game designer's job and the UI designer's job. So like the game designer might have an intent of like the rules of the game and what needs to be able to happen. Mm -hmm. And the UI designer is like creating the visual mm -hmm. of what it all looks like. The UX designer is helping support giving the user, the player, the easiest experience of accessing like what the game designer wants them to be able mm -hmm. to do, mm -hmm. but then taking the elements that the UI designer is creating and mm -hmm. presenting them in a way that is useful to the player. Got you. So it's like, let's say you need to find how to get to a specific location on a map. The UI designer creates this like menu bar or whatever. Yeah, sure. And you're responsible for making sure a user can navigate that menu bar to do what the what the game yeah, designer wants. Yeah, like if it's if it makes if it's very confusing for the player yeah, like to figure out how to how to navigate use it that. then yeah. that's what the that's where the UX designer kind of would come in and figure that out and gotcha. then make suggestions to the UI designer basically saying like, you know, we need to place this here. Yeah. Because it's if it's over here or if it's represented this way, it might be confusing to the player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what the UX designer's job is to do is to make mm -hmm. sure it's because you could have a game designer, you could have a UI designer and not have a UX designer, which is super common. Yeah. Um, and that's where you end up with like things like the newest Sonic game. Um, I mean, Baron Breakfast. I don't know if they just didn't have a UX designer. Baron Breakfast is the most confusing like it's so confusing yeah. to figure out, okay, I'm trying to build this room. How do I do, like, yeah. how do I do that with, like, what the pictures are? Like, I don't understand what these pictures are. Like, yeah. I don't understand, like, the mechanics of it. It's so confusing. Yeah, I, I, I only played the new Sonic game for about a day, and I, I plan on finishing it, but as soon as I started playing it, I started just writing a laundry list of... If I was the UX designer working on this game, what I would change to mm -hmm. make it easier and more f user friendly? Yeah. Because there's there's clearly somebody who designed the UI, and there's clearly game designers. Yeah. But it's like it's a game that when I play it, I'm like so obviously they had nobody focusing on the UX on this mm -hmm. because it's executed very poorly. Yeah. I think the start menus make no inherent sense on why they're designed the way that they're designed. Mm -hmm. um, things will just appear at the wrong time. You can see that there's creative intent. They just needed somebody to hold the whole thing together and say like, hey, this actually is going to be very difficult and advocate mm -hmm. on the user's behalf mm -hmm. to like make those changes. Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to like the size of the team, if they can afford something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's what the UX designer would do. Got you. 
Yeah. At least that's my current impression (laughs) of what the UX designer would do. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Mapping out the player journey, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. I feel like we should move on. Say all that because I'm a UX designer. (laughs) (laughs) I work in a different industry, though. Um, I mean, you get into games. One day, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I'm liking where I'm at right now. Um, All right. Moving along. What's next? (laughs) Matilda. Um, Matilda. Matilda. Matilda, Matilda. I... What a what a movie. Let me move to my notes. I I, got <laughs> I know a lot happens. A lot happens in this movie. Okay, Matilda is a movie that came out in 1996. It stars Danny DeVito. It's I mean I feel like I'm not doing it justice by saying it stars Danny DeVito. It stars this little girl who plays this character Matilda. I don't know the little girl actress's name, it but it's Mara Mara Wilson. Mara's, Mara something. I think, yeah, it is Mara something. I do remember seeing that. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Danny DeVito, though. That was not something I knew until the movie concluded. But, um, so this movie, Matilda, it's based on a Roald Dahl book. And Roald Dahl is famous for writing things like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And... Witches. Witches. Don't know what that is. Um, what? Half Magic, I believe that's another one of his books. I don't know. Um, did he do James and the Giant Peach? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So that just general. He's an icon. He is an icon. Of but, children's books. But dang, are these books weird. <laughs> and that's the beauty of them. So, They're like actually kind of terrifying. <laughs> I don't know if I ever want to watch this movie again. <laughs> It's not that it was bad. It's just so weird that I'm like, okay. <laughs> just, it's cute. It's charming. I don't know if I want to watch it again because it's just a lot. Um, in its in its weirdness. I owned this movie on like VHS as a kid and I don't think I ever watched it. Mm-hmm. Um it's not to say, yeah, not to say I didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's, it's just such a specific acquired taste. I mean, isn't that all his movies? I mean, all all his, the Roald all Dahl the, stuff. All the Roald Dahl stuff. Well, yeah. granted, I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> but however, I will say, um, the Roald Dahl family did not like the movies that came out. They didn't like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They didn't like Witches, the old version of Witches. They redid Witches like a few years ago okay. with Anne Hathaway. They didn't really like that. And so in terms of when they were pitched, well, at this point, Roald Dahl himself was, he had passed away about like six years prior, I think, before they made this. Okay. Um, and so when they approached his wife, um, she was, she was like fed up at that, but they were basically like, we don't want to do this. Like, we don't like the movies that have been made out of these books. Um, and we want it to be done right. And the screenwriters was a, it was a woman and her husband who wrote it, um, was like, we will write it for free. Tell us if you like it. And if you do, then like, let's be business partners and let's do it together. And so, I mean, the movie got made. So I'm assuming the wife really liked it and you know, they did it. But 
I feel like so like my best friend is a huge Roald Dahl fan like loved his books has the books um and she tells me a lot of the time that like the books are much weirder than the movies that have like come out uh, yeah I believe that yeah she let me know that like the um the Johnny Depp version of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory it's actually more accurate yeah to the book. yeah that's yeah. what she said she's like that's more accurate to the book and like it's yeah the books are like very like questionable because it's like children dying <laughs> and like you know what happens when they like get sucked into a chocolate thing or whatever you know it's like very more very more like i guess morbid is yeah i guess yeah, is yeah. the best term for that um but yeah i don't know where i was going with that but like the glass elevator is kind of like a big deal in the book i'm pretty sure there's a sequel book that's all about the glass elevator. There was a glass elevator in uh, Johnny Depp. Are you saying there wasn't one in Johnny Depp one? No, there was a glass elevator in all of the, both in both of them. The oh. glass elevator in the Johnny Depp one is like more there than mm-hmm. I guess in the Willy Wonka one, like in the nineteen seventies one. Mm-hmm. Um, my my point is that like in the books, the glass elevator is like a huge mm-hmm. deal, mm-hmm. and not in the movies. It is in the movies. It's just like. No, it's I'm saying there. like you mean like not like a focal point in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's more of a focal point in the books. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be differences, you know. Yeah. It, when you adapt any book to a movie, they change things, they add things for entertainment. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's just me providing my lack of knowledge on this <laughs> subject and acting like I know everything. Um, well, anyway, let's focus on Matilda for a second. Yeah. What is Matilda about? So. Matilda is part of this f- family. They're called the their last name is Wormwood. Mm-hmm. So Danny DeVito is Matilda's dad and he has a wife and a son and Matilda. And Matilda is very much treated like the black sheep of the family. She is they pay no mind to her. They just want to watch TV all day. And she is actually very bright. She likes to read books and knows how to do very complex math. She's in like first grade. And basically, like growing up, she loved to go to the library and just would read a lot. Um, and she could take care of herself. She had no choice. She had no choice (laughs) to learn how to take care of herself. And Mm -hmm. she just, in the process, became an incredibly bright child. And by the time she's six and a half, her family is not sending her to school. And she's like, I want to go to school. And they're like, you're not six and a half, you're four. And she's like, no, I'm six and a half. And they're like, nope, you're four. We're not sending you to school. You don't need to go to school. You have television. Um... (laughs) And her dad also, he, like, sells cars, but he, like... He's a con artist. He's a con artist. He, like, sells... <laughs> or he, he buys stolen car parts and then, like... Super glues them super on. He super glues them on to the car rather than, like, <laughs> welding them on. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, not... He's, he's not a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's... And the cops are continuously yeah, the watching FBI him. <laughs> is like continuously watching him um yeah. 
So yeah, so she's supposed to go to school until one day he sells a car to this woman who is a principal of a school, and her name is Mrs. Trunch Miss Miss Trunchbull, not Mrs. Um, and she is talking about how she's a principal, and he's like, "Oh, I got this, I got this kid, Matilda," Ooh. and she's like, "I'll take her," and so. He sells her a car, and then he sends Matilda to Miss Trunchbull's school called Crunchum Hall. And this place sucks. <laughs> um, so, how do I, where do I even begin? Um, Matilda meets a bunch of adorable children who also go to this school. There's this little girl, Lavender, who's just like the most adorable Cutest. little thing, I swear to God. Um <laughs> So there's a bunch of like sweet children that work or that work at the school. I mean, they practically do. Um, no, they go to this school, and Miss Trunchbull just hates kids. Should not be working for a school. Should not be a principal. But she seems to just get some serious pleasure from torturing children. She makes fun of this little girl for having pigtails. And then she's like, are you a pig? And the little girl's like, no, but my mom thought they were cute. And she's like, well, you're going to get rid of them. And she picks up this girl by the pigtails and, like, <laughs> shot puts her across the field. And this girl goes flying. Yeah. And then lands. But then it's, like, this cute, like, her, she lands in a bed of flowers and, like, picks up a bunch of flowers along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ends up safe. And all the kids are like, yay. But, like, that was weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. That was, like, what's going on with this movie? How do yeah. the laws work? Yeah. How does physics how do physics yeah Yeah. what's that about Um, a little fun fact about this scene so the little girl didn't have a stunt double she did that stunt herself um (laughs) and by that i mean she was like harnessed hooked up to like some cables they attached like fake pigtails onto like her head had miss trunchbull grab the fake pigtails and like swing her um so like she did that stunt (laughs) and like she had fun that is the most wild part of the movie (laughs) i think like that there's a bunch of other weird stuff that goes on but that to me was the most standout like hold up (laughs) what just happened (laughs) i know moment um because things are like yeah matilda's super smart and stuff but like that's so far everything's so far like believable up until this point yeah and then it's like oh we get to crunch them all and it's like yo this lady is insane yeah not the person you want to be around your kids and oh she just like tossed this little girl um yeah like hundreds of feet through the air (laughs) yeah so what just what's going on here (laughs) um yeah she like Miss Trunchbull puts does things like put kids in an isolation chamber with like rusted nails inside of it. The chokey. The chokey they call it. Yeah. Um so, she, she throws like a few kids out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like actually throws them out the window. Um from the second floor. Yeah. So, um so the police just don't seem to be concerned about the school, but they are very concerned about Danny DeVito's <laughs> business. That. 
Um, they spend all day outside of his house staking it out yeah. and just doing nothing. nothing. So that that's that. Um, anyway, Matilda has a teacher, Miss Honey. Mm-hmm. Who uh, could, could you explain a little bit about Miss Honey while I take a sip of water? Yes, Miss Honey is this sweet young woman, very kind, very caring, and she sees the like potential in Matilda. Like they are doing their times tables, and she makes up a like random thing. She's like, soon you'll be able to learn how to do thirteen times three hundred and blah blah blah. And Matilda like knows the answer off the top yeah. of her head. She's like ten thousand six hundred and twenty-one. Right, and she's like double check me <laughs> like I i'm think pretty that's, sure that's yeah right. i think that's right and so yeah go ahead oh uh, no yeah i mean miss honey recognizes that she's super talented so she goes to miss trunchbull and is like i think we should put matilda in more advanced classes and miss trunchbull is like oh you're just trying to pawn her off on another teacher because you can't handle her and gets very mad um and <laughs> miss honey then tries to go to Matilda's house to talk to her parents to let them know, like, hey, Matilda's very bright. She could be ready for college in just a few years. And her parents are like, college smileage. I didn't go to college. I, she's, you know, family business. We like to watch TV. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's when she's like, okay, um, Matilda's parents aren't having it. Miss Trunchbull's not having it. So I need to do what I can to foster this kid's development. And, you know, she gives her more higher level stuff Mm -hmm. uh, as a result. And that's the first time she recognizes, like, Matilda's home life is not good. Yes. And she's like, oh, I see what I'm dealing with here. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to a scene where a uh, there's an assembly and this poor kid Bruce Bogtrotter uh, ate some of Miss Trunchpole's chocolate cake that she wanted to eat as a snack. So she gets super upset and basically during this assembly is like, Bruce Bogtrotter, come up here. Here's some chocolate cake. Eat it. And he's like, okay. And everybody's like, oh, it's poison. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) He eats it. And she's like, was that tasty? And he was like, it was delicious. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, all right, well, here's more cake. And it's like a ton of cake. Like this whole table worth of cake. And she's like, you're not leaving here until you eat this. And he's like, oh. (laughs) And so all the kids have to watch him eat this cake and this is her way of torturing him and i mean he eats a lot of it and then it looks like he's just gonna die Mm -hmm. and but then like matilda being so awesome just starts cheering him on and then all the kids start cheering him on and then he's like you know what yeah and he eats all of it (laughs) and it's like what Yep. But then, like, Miss Trunchbull takes the glass plate that the cake was on and smashes it on his head. And then it's like, everybody get back to work. And it's like, what? she just broke glass on that kid's head. <laughs> Call Poor the authorities. Kid. I know. So, um, yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, and she makes all the kids stay five hours after school 
And so then, um, I mean, I don't even know. Matilda at some point finds out I might have psychic powers. <laughs> Let's just throw that in there. Um, well, I think I forget what situation it was, but she she realized like she gets angry. Her dad forces her to watch TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's this stupid show about covering your body in like this sticky stuff sticky stuff and then collecting as much money yeah on your body as possible yeah. and it's like he's like watch this we have to watch it yeah um and she gets so angry that she makes the tv explode um so that's now a thing and they the kids the kids, when she's, like, spending time with her friends, they, like, find a newt, and they're all, like, happy, and it's, like, they're having, like, the ideal scientific conversation about this newt that you would want to see a kid's having when they discover a thing. It's so precious. Um, and they, like, they bring it back to uh, class the with them, and <laughs> Lavender ends up putting the newt in water jug yeah um because miss trunchbull's coming well before that um miss trunchbull i think the car the car that she broke broke down Uh and so she's mad at matilda and she um decides to put matilda in the chokey like while they're outside oh yeah yeah with the new and so lavender brings the newt back in matilda's not in the class yet but miss trunchbull's coming in um and yeah yeah, so like, uh, okay, Miss Trunchbull is uh, talking to the class. Basically, they have a whole funny, and um, like, the newt shows up, and uh, what? Um, she's like, "Oh my gosh, a newt!" <laughs> well, La- I can't quite remember what yeah, happened so here. Yeah, so Lavender, Miss Trunchbull's coming back. Well, Lavender's trying to tell Miss Honey, like, "Oh, Matilda's. She's in the choky. She's in the choky." And and. Um, Miss Honey is like, you got to hold on. Like, Miss Trunchbull's on her way. So they, Miss Trunchbull comes in. Lavender decides to put the new in the, like, it, this pitcher of water. Because yeah. Miss Trunchbull is, oh, I guess every time she comes in, wants a glass of water. So she puts the new in the water. Miss Trunchbull pull, pours the, like, water into a cup. The newt falls in her cup. Meanwhile, Miss Honey, like, runs, goes get Matilda out of the chokey, brings her back to class. Miss Trunchbull is, like, terrorizing the kids is drinking the water and realizes the newt's in there and like freaks out because she's afraid of this she thinks it's a snake she's like snake 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 yeah, yeah. and so she's like freaking out um and they all start laughing when does matilda yeah. use her psychic powers so they all start all the kids start laughing um and some like she so all the kids start laughing miss trunchbull is like terrorizing the specific kid and Matilda makes the new like fly at her. Okay. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. And so, and that's when Matilda's like, okay, I for sure have powers. So then once Miss Trunchbull leaves, she, she goes tries to, to Miss tell Miss Honey, Honey about yeah. it. And then, but she can't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Miss Honey's like, you know, uh, that sounds nice. Yeah. I'm, she's like, that's great. Yeah. But she's like, would you like to come to my house after school and yeah um yeah. and matilda's like 
I would like that very much. <laughs> it's very cute. Like they have a very cute relationship, Miss they Honey do. and Matilda. So Matilda's like, yes, I would love to go to your house. And so after that, Matilda and Miss Honey are walking away from the school to Miss Honey's house. And this is when Miss Honey tells like her full backstory. Or no, wait, I'm sorry. She tells a story. <laughs> And it's the story of this little girl who used to live in Miss Trunchbull's house. And uh, the father of this little girl died. And the aunt was like super mean. And basically the little girl left (laughs) because the aunt was super mean and her dad was now dead. But she used to be super happy with her dad. Um, And then she left and she got to uh, her own cottage and lived there ever since. And then they get to a cottage and Matilda's like, oh my gosh, it's the cottage from your story. Wait a minute, you were that little girl. (laughs) So yes, um, basically we find out that Miss Trunchbull is Miss Honey's aunt and that all of her like childhood memories are in the house that Miss Trunchbull now lives in. So this is basically what the focus of the rest of the movie is on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a doll in the house that Miss Honey has very fond memories of. And they, at some point soon after, like just, they try to sneak in um to the house while Miss Trunchbull is going to do track and field all day. Um, <laughs> she like comes back from her workout at one point and well, her car breaks down, so oh, she her never car got breaks to. Down, that's right. Yeah, she comes back and they're in the house looking for this doll mm-hmm. and just like seeing things. Then there's this just this whole this whole event happens where Miss Trunchbull realizes there's probably somebody in her house. And they're hiding from her. And it's very scary. She's a very scary woman. And, you know, knowing that she shot put this little girl, like, you know, (laughs) at the beginning of the movie, who knows what she's capable of. So, (laughs) um, this is pretty much, I wrote down, Miss Trunchbull needs to not exist. Dang. (laughs) Harsh words, but. Yeah. She's she's terrifying. she's, She's terrifying. She's like. She's like smelling for them. She's like, yeah. Like, there's people here. Yeah. Mm, oh, oh, oh. And it's like, oh, God. Like, yeah. Stop. She's the worst. I should have got a picture. The woman who plays her is the sweetest looking lady. Really? And like, is such a, they're like, she's the kindest person ever. Uh, well, that, that one was my heart to know. <laughs> At one point, Miss Trunchbull like gives up looking and she sits down and she just eats a big piece of chocolate cake that's like her <laughs> snack like what none of that makes any sense to me um mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna do track and field and then when i get back i'm gonna eat chocolate i cake. mean she was probably stressed she's like this car keeps breaking down i'm gonna indulge oh, it, in my little snack that's right <laughs> the car breaks down because matilda's dad yes. is the one that sold <laughs> so it to she's her frustrated <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. blame her. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. had someone a nice yummy snack waiting for me after I've had a terrible day, I'd sit down to and be like, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> well, they managed to get away. Yeah. They don't they don't get the doll. 
They manage to get away. But then Matilda starts to hone her psychic powers. Um, and there's this whole shot sequence where she's in her living room. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of small objects start rotating around her mm-hmm. because she's using her psychic powers very effectively. And oh me, oh my, I want to know how they get that shot. It's literally all just things on string. They're pulling things like that is basic so mechanics. Much work. Yeah, yeah. The only time they used green screen for anything was the scene where like the carrot like flies at the you remember like she like flies the carrot at the brother while they're watching tv and eating dinner and he's like taunting yeah, her. yeah, yeah. that's the only time they use green screen for any kind of effect so i would love to see the behind the scenes footage of how they got all of these little objects flying around this room because yeah. if you're telling me it's all strings yeah just that's like pulling things there's levers <laughs> there's just too many objects i know it's a lot for that on. to be the case it's yeah. like that's yeah you i really need to see that because that's impressive that's yeah. that was the one part of the movie that really made me go like well gosh darn how they do that <laughs> um send it to corridor crew yes so after that she um she's like all right i've got my powers i'm gonna get this doll back i'm gonna do it on my own and she does get the doll, right? Yeah. Yeah. She gets the doll and she takes two pieces of chocolate from this little chocolate tin that Miss Honey said oh, yeah. that Miss Trunchbull would never let her have. Yeah. She's like, I would, she would never let me have any chocolate, mm-hmm. but I always wanted some. So yeah. Matilda's like, you know what? You deserve some. So I'm going to take some for you. Mm-hmm. And in that process, Matilda has like a red ribbon that she's always wearing and mm-hmm. it uh, falls on the uh, tree or something yeah. while she's getting the doll. She does get the doll, mm-hmm. um, the Lissy doll. That's what she, she calls it. Yeah. Um, and also as she's like doing this, she's like doing all this stuff to the house to scare Miss Trunchbull. Yes. She does some stuff with the paintings. <laughs> They're not scary. That was, <laughs> I would have been out of the house. That so was quick. clever. So yeah. she, there's this, where this painting of Miss Honey's dad yeah. used to be, um, is now a painting of Miss Trunchbull. Yeah. And with Matilda's psychic powers, she, gets Miss Trunchbull's painting to fall off and for Mr. Honey's uh, painting to just like go out of storage and then pop on Mm -hmm. to the wall. Mm -hmm. Just like pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. If if that happened to me, I'd be like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and then she... She gives the, uh, the she gives the painting to no, no no sorry she gives the doll to Miss Honey and she's like I got this I did it with my powers I know how to use my powers now look and that's when Miss Honey's like oh you actually do have powers whoa mm-hmm. you're not just a small child with an active imagination um, and yeah uh, I don't know like Matilda just uh, she. She uses the ghost of Magnus, which is Miss Honey's father, uh, to, like, try and haunt Miss Trunchbull. Or she tries to make it look like his ghost um, is haunting Miss Trunchbull so that Miss Honey can have her house and 
her money back. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, some like uh, I don't, I don't even know. This is where I, I started to kind of get pretty tired. It was getting kind of late, so I was getting a little was sleepy. Like, you glazed over a lot there. <laughs> I, but it's okay. Don't know what happens next. The, I mean, yeah. Basically, Miss. I'm looking Trunch- at my notes yeah. here, and I'm like, what? Miss Trunchbull throws a kid out the window. Yeah. So basically, Miss Trunchbull comes to the school and she has this ribbon and she's like i know whose ribbon this is so she goes to the class and she's like who was wearing a ribbon yesterday who doesn't have one today she's like matilda and so she's just like out for matilda at this point and so she matilda's like making all these things happen in the classroom so like miss trunchbull tries to like throw a kid out the window the kid like turns around and comes back into the window oh yeah like, he like flies yeah that was a cute part <laughs> yeah because matilda's using her powers yeah miss trunchbull like gets like knocked around everywhere into because, a globe yeah because matilda's making that happen that's when she like writes the note from magnus on the thing oh like, on leave the these wall kids alone. leave the kids alone like, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and the so, kids throw a bunch of water balloons at her yeah, at one point. And, yeah. So at this point, Miss Trunchbull has like fallen to pieces because she's terrified. All these things are happening. The kids see that. They're like throwing their food at her. So at this point, it's like her life's over. <laughs> her life's been ruined by these kids. Uh, um, so I yeah. don't. My my next note just jumps to the end of the movie. So what happens after Honestly, that? that's kind of what happens. She just like leaves and like they're like, we never heard from Miss Trunchbull again. Because, oh, really? Yeah, that's literally like how it is. You see her going like driving off. Okay. And they're like, we never heard from her again. Miss Honey got the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matilda wants her parents to allow Miss Honey to adopt her. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. They sign the document. It's like no to do at all. Life is fun. She now lives with Miss Honey in Miss Honey's childhood home. And they, you know, love each other and become happy mm-hmm. and smart and read books. And life is fun and everyone's happy. And Danny DeVito directed this movie. What? <laughs> like, that's when the credits roll and I see that. And I'm like, well, whoa. Yeah. Um, he also does the narration for the whole movie. Yeah. And it's the least Danny DeVito sounding narration that danny devito has probably ever done still sounds like him though it's yeah i could tell that it was him but i was also like it has less of the danny devito rasp than you would normally get um and that's it that's the movie um I just, I, I think it just got to a point for me where I was like, this, it's just getting too long. It's just too much of this, like, Miss Trunchbull's torturing kids, and the kids need to get back and Miss Trunchbull, and ah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just got excessive. And yeah. That's what for me. I was like, starting to doze off because I was like, I have seen it all already mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. like, you know, it just reached a point where I was like, all right, nothing nothing new is going to happen or like stand out to make yeah. me be like, Whoa. cause it's already all the like craziness. Already all already just, happened. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I've, I've absorbed everything. All of the novelty of this movie has been mm-hmm. given to me. So now it's just more and more and more. Yeah. And I just like, I was just kind of, yeah. Gotcha. I was like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. That's yeah. fair. Um, yeah. And inter- I, 
really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw it. I don't know if I, I don't think I was a child per se the first time I saw it. I think I was probably like middle school when I saw it and just thought it was really cute. Um, and it's not, it's definitely not a movie that I go to quite often, but what made me bring it back up and why I said, oh, this is pretty relevant is because like I mentioned last time when I signed it, they're making, a, Netflix is coming out with the Matilda the Musical and that comes oh. out, yeah, that comes out November 25th and I had watched the trailer and oh. I was like, this actually looks like it could be really good. And I, that's saying something cause I, y'all know, I don't like musicals. I steer clear from musicals. But this one, I'm like genuinely kind of excited to watch. Um, and so, yeah, so that's why I brought it up and thought it was relevant. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so before I get into like kind of like that, uh, a few quick notes. I already talked about how the movie was almost not made because, you know, the doll family was like, you got to do it right if you want to do it. Yeah. Um, so the wife of Danny DeVito in the movie was his actual wife at the time. Oh, wow. They separated in 2017, which oh. I thought was just like, yeah, I know that's sad. But I thought that was like cool. It's like, oh, they were like really married. Yeah. Um, I already talked about most of the effects were done with just like strings, pulleys, levers, basic mechanics, um, aside from the carrot flying. Um, so I don't know if this is like, I don't know where you could find this, but Mara, the little girl, actually like had filmed while they were on set, like filmed behind the scenes. And so she has like a little documentary called um, My Movie About Making Matilda. And it's just like, I guess her with like a little camcorder. That sounds like the cutest thing of yeah. all time. Yeah. And I don't know where you can find it. Like when I Googled it, it was like very difficult. It was like these random websites that like said they had it. I didn't click on any of them, but. It's not just on YouTube? I don't know. You might be able to find clips like the YouTube clips didn't seem like it was a full thing. It just seemed like little pieces. Uh-huh. I don't know. So I don't know how easy it is to find. Yeah, there. I mean, there are some weird things like that are small that, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I can't find this anywhere. And then you just Google it on YouTube and it's like, oh, Surf Ninjas is on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Surf Ninjas. Surf funny. Ninjas. Check it out. Great movie. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's really, I mean, I already talked about the other notes too about the little girl who got, who like got swung by her pigtails. But, yeah, so Matilda the Musical comes out November 25th. Um, this is not sponsored by them. <laughs> but um, God of War Ragnarok came out on November 9th for the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. Check it literally out. Literally like we're doing advertising. <laughs> um, so Emma Thompson is playing Miss Trunchbull, and she looks Nanny McPhee? wild. Yeah, yeah. And she looks like a very scary Miss Trunchbull, right. the makeup that they've done. Um, Lashana Lynch is playing Miss Honey. Which I'm very excited oh, about. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. It's going to be so cute. Um, the girl playing Matilda, I'm not familiar if she's in anything else, but her name's Alicia Weir. Um, but she seems, she looks very adorable and seems like she'll be great. So, we'll see. All right. Uh, let me know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was not expecting you to watch that with me. But, um, yeah, I'll, I will. I'll let you know. Maybe I'll give an update on the podcast. Yeah. These are just two completely different things that we covered in this podcast. So, but in all fairness, it's things we are excited about. They're making that are some, they're making something, something. this yeah. month. Yeah. yeah, it is relevant. Yeah, so yeah. they ended up tying together. I'm not trying to be a Matilda hater. <laughs> I just never want to think about it again. I get it. It's quite terrifying, <laughs> even as an adult. It's yeah. quite terrifying. You're like this uh, woman was, is scary. It's unsettling. Yeah. 
it's not how I would have chosen to spend my time. Yeah, I didn't look into it deeply, but apparently there's a lot of inspiration, or Dana DeVito pulled a lot of inspiration from just like Tim Burton movies, which might Makes be why you feel so unsettled and so like weirded out. I think it was the Batman, like Tim Burton's Batman movies that he particularly was. Well, Danny DeVito played the Penguin in Batman Returns in 1992, which was yeah. a Tim Burton movie. So yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah, but that's pretty much that. Uh, I'm getting hungry, so let's go I, ahead and dive into our assignments. Yes. All right. It feels like it's like 12, like midnight, and it's only 8:52. Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So do you want to sign first? Do you want me to sign first? I don't care. Okay, I'll go first. So since so we will not be posting an episode next week because of the holidays. Thanksgiving is be, this next yeah, week. We'll be traveling. So we will be back in two weeks. And since that will be the start of December, we're probably going to start assigning, or we are going to start assigning some holiday themes content. Yes. This, um, this first one, I think we're going with movies that are set during Christmas but are not necessarily Christmas movies. Yes, yes. Which yes. up for debate, depending on how you define a Christmas movie. Um, we figured out we're not, we have no clue what's, what counts as like just set in Christmas versus yeah. like bridges t- now comes over to that Christmas. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to sign something that I had no idea was set during Christmas until I like looked up like movies set during Christmas and I was like, oh, that's, oh, oh all right. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know how well mine's going to fit into the Christmas thing. Oh, it's okay. But the other movies that I want to talk about um, for the rest of December yeah. are very Christmas focused. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm assigning is set during Christmas time. I wouldn't say that's the focal point. However, I mean, it's like it's holiday time. It's snowing. There's Christmas decorations, things like that. Okay. So I'm assigning you a Nicolas Cage movie that my dad showed me for the first time like two or three years ago. And it was so funny. We had such a fun time watching it together. What's it called? Trapped in Paradise. I've never heard of this. Oh, I'm so excited for you to watch this. Okay. <laughs> I Trapped think you will have paradise. so much fun. Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. It's literally, Christmas? it's literally the like only Nicolas Cage movie that i like i'm not a big Nicolas cage fan and this one i'm like that was funny what is this all right all right yeah interesting yeah okay that'll be fun (laughs) i guess um okay i am giving you um I, i mean i don't even know how to describe it it's got colin farrell in it it's directed by martin mcdonough 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 McDonough? McDonough? Mc- Mc- you said McDonough? <laughs> it's D-O-N-A-G-H. Don't you just say McDonough? Sure. McDonough? Anyway, um, it's called In Bruges. <laughs> Never heard of it. Yep. Brendan, Brendan it. Gleason, Colin Farrell. Hmm. Okay. In Bruges. In Bruges. They what does that are, even mean? Well, they're in Bruges. What's, where's that? Oh, Bruges is in Belgium. Oh. So, Okay. This movie came up on this like list of movies that are set during Christmas but are not necessarily Christmas movies and I was like, "Oh, like I've seen that movie. I end up I remember really liking that movie." Mm-hmm. Um and then I like googled like how Christmassy like how <laughs> how Christmas is in Bruges. Yeah. And all of my Google results were what's Christmas like in Bruges, Belgium? <laughs> and the results were like Bruges, Belgium, during Christmas is like a total wonderland. They like 
they transform the whole thing. It's like one of the best places in Europe to go for Christmas. And I was like, okay. Like, so I guess knowing that this movie is yeah. in Bruges and supposedly set during Christmas, that ought to be enough Christmas for what we're going for, right? But my memory of this movie, I don't remember the Christmas, the Christmas element. So yeah. we'll have to we'll get back to that next week. We'll, and we'll see. see. We'll yeah, see. we'll next week <laughs> or, or two weeks yeah, from now. Two weeks yes. from now, we need to create a barometer of non-Christmas movie to like fully Christmas, and the middle being a movie set during Christmas, but not necessarily christmas so like a one would be a movie that just make has zero references to christmas not right. at all right and then a 10 being like the santa claus right okay right yeah and we need to figure out what that middle point is yeah and where our movies fall in line yeah, with that That sounds right yeah, yeah. let's let's do that okay <laughs> sounds good if you have any suggestions of what that middle point would be where it's not a yeah. christmas movie you wouldn't classify it as a christmas movie like but die it's hard maybe christmas, yeah but even Iron that Man seems 3. a little lower like i would s- yeah i would say like die hard 2 is slightly more of a christmas movie than die hard 1 is because <laughs> Die Hard 2 is also set during Christmas. They just did it yeah. oh, again. We're not here to talk about that. But yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. So any recommendations for what that middle point would be? A Christmas movie or a movie that's set during Christmas time, but not a Christmas movie. Let us know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so next week it's Trouble in Paradise. Trapped in Paradise. Trap, trapped in Paradise and in Bruges. Yep. I'm See you then. See you then. Bye. All right. Have a nice Thanksgiving. Yep, Eat safe. whatever you want for Thanksgiving, okay? Support indigenous peoples. Yes. Donate. Yes. I was trying to make a callback um, like to when I said you could eat whatever you want for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and you're like, no, you got to eat Thanksgiving food. Uh, call back to our uh, episode from our Thanksgiving episode. A, a, a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, mac and cheese time. Mac and cheese.